magnificent morning folks. This is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast. Her is an acronym for heroic, empowering, and resilient. And this is a self-improvement, self-acceptance, and women empowerment podcast. My main purpose is to encourage, empower, and motivate all women by highlighting their personal stories of triumph over adversity. Each of us has a story. Maybe it's an illness, a financial burden, or a dead-end job. In general, unforeseen circumstances can make you feel isolated or alone. But when you feel like you've hit rock bottom, it doesn't mean that it is the end of your story. It is often within the darkest nights we produce the brightest stars. There are women out there who have gone through the very same barriers you are facing today, but they didn't give up. In fact, they used their difficulties to mold them into strong and resilient women. And if they can break through their hardships, so can you, because you are her heroic, empowering, and resilient. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Peace, love, and light. Good morning, good people. Again, it's Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast. I'm grateful for anyone who is tuning in today. This week's special guest I have with me is Miss Shakara L. Parks. Okay, Shakara is from Pineville, South Carolina. Shout out to the Vills. Um, you know, I always shout out my, my rural town, Napoleonville, Louisiana. She is also a proud graduate of Morris College, receiving her Bachelor's of Arts in 2010 with cum laude honors and was crowned Miss Morris College in 2009-2010. She is an accomplished dancer, choreographer, singer, actress, and advocate who attributes much of her success to her journey as an HBCU queen. Folks, let's welcome Shakara to Her Story Podcast. Welcome, Shakara. Hi, everyone. How are you? Hey, hey, hey. So happy to have you. So happy to have you. You know, we have a, a lot in common. We'll get into that a little further into the interview. But again, happy to have you. And, and you know, shout out to Pineville. Shout out to South Carolina. Um, you know, I'm big on, again, you know, highlighting the the many cities that uh, we have touched throughout the Her Story platform. So any new place for me is um, awesome just to get, you know, some background and information and shout out our, our beautiful black queens throughout the country that are doing um great things and progressive things so excited to have you absolutely thank you so much and yes shout out to pineville because not a lot of people know about pineville they only focus on charleston right right (laughs) i was just in charleston well last year before things really got uh you know, chaotic and hectic um, with travel. But yeah, shout out. Shout out to South Carolina. Um, shout out. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. Now, for folks who don't know, this is your first time tuning in to her story. We do highlight women throughout the country, uh, particularly women of color, highlighting their journeys to success in their stories. And despite some difficulties or just like unforeseen circumstances, we as women, we still prevail. We are successful and we get the job done. And that's just the beauty in a woman. That's just the beauty within being a black woman. And so I'm very intentional when um, I highlight that message. And within the past few episodes, we've been looking at the journeys and experiences of um, folks who have graduated from historically black colleges and universities throughout the country. And particularly, 
of these past few episodes, we've been highlighting the work and the partnership with the HBCU experience. Now, the HBCU experience is a partnership with Ashley Little and a few other folks where we capture the experiences of past alumni and how their stories have impacted their lives and their career. And, you know, a similar a similar um, experience and journey is what we have had here with her story, how the stories of folks have impacted their lives and their success. And so just recently, there has been a launch of a sister project, which is the HBCU experience, the Queen Edition. Now, the Queen Edition is very important to me as well, because as a Southern University um alumni, Southern University and A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was also Miss Freshman 2008-2009, a part of that Royal Court, Court experience. And so many people, unless you attended an HBCU, um, it's hard to make that connection, the, co- the connection to the legacy and, tra- and the tradition that is uh, connected and centered with the Royal Court and how the Royal Court and the ro- Royal Body really serves as not only just the face of your class or university, but but we're also just the liaison between the students and the administrative body. And, you know, we're very, we're in it, innovative and we share many ideas. We are educating our community and our, our classmates. And we also, we fight for the success and development of our schools. And um, being a part of that and sharing that experience really does shape you as you become older. But with all that being said, um, Shakara, your love for your career and passion really was discovered at an er- early age. And I think that's fascinating because, um, it's difficult at times for people, even in their adulthood to really figure out what is their love, what is their passion. And especially even in college, the journey of trying to figure out, you know, what your major is and what you like, what you don't like, it often changes. But for you, at the very early age of 14, you knew what it was that you loved. And you began tiptoeing into your career then. And I'm saying tiptoeing, no pun intended, because you're a choreographer. (laughs) (laughs) But you really did begin to lay the foundation for your career. You discovered that at such a young age. And so I really think that that's very interesting and exciting. So can you just share how you first discovered your love for dance and the arts and how has that shaped your career today? So let me just say, um, I want to thank um, my mom, who I lost recently in 2018. Uh, she was so a sorry. coach at a high school. Chair- no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, she was the cheerleading coach at St. Stephen High, where she gave me the opportunity to be the little mascot. However... The crowd in the whole town of St. Stephen and Pineville did not know that I was a force to be reckoned with, honey. Because okay. this little four-year-old, <laughs> I wasn't shy. Like, to this day, I can look back at home videos and I'm like, I just thank God for my mom for even pushing me at a young age. And I don't even know where she got the idea. I don't know if I actually had shown her that I had some rhythm when I was younger. I just remember being a little cheerleader and keeping up with the older girls. Girl, actually, I was looking better than some of the older girls, honey. I believe you. I believe you. Let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's be real. And then um, after, you know, that brought out, because I was never shy, so I can't even say that brought out my shyness, but me having just more of, a confidence in 
being in front of people, uh, we would have like talent shows at the elementary school I was attending, J.K. Gerdine Elementary in Pineville, where I did my first solo dance. Now, mind you, I had had no training. I was only doing, you know, cheerleading. That's the only training I had at such a young age. And it was, I was in a Peter Rabbit play, and I don't know why they tied together Peter Rabbit and an African solo dance. I don't know, right. but honey, <laughs> I did it, and I choreographed it myself. Wow. And that's when it all began. Like, I asked my mom, like, every time I would look at the pictures and the video, I'm like, Mom, I really made that? And she said, yes. Yeah. So... To this day, I understand now why I am the type of choreographer that I am, because when people ask me to come up with a routine, to be honest, I can't come up with it a week prior to or a month prior to. I have to listen to music, meditate in the movement, and I'll, and I'll just start moving, and that's how I create such masterpieces. So from the age of four... On up to the age of 14, I've been creating different dance routines for some of my friends and different um, young ladies that, you know, were living in the community. And I would I would just, honestly, music would come on, and I was that type of female. You know, when songs come out, everyone got a new dance to it or some type of, um, like, lean with it, rock with it. Like, I was always the one that would find the hook of the song and would make up a and create something on your own. I love it. I love it. Yes. I, I, I was always that trendsetter to just make up something on my own. And then I can always remember watching uh, Cedar's World on BET. Yes. And music videos. <laughs> and... <laughs> No, my mom would never let me watch Rap City in the Bay. Right, you, you, had to, you had to sneak. You had to park. sneak. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But 106 in Park, and I just fell in love with Beyonce. Let me tell you, Destiny's Child, when that album came out, Writings on the Wall. Can You Pay My it? Bills? Yes. That's the one. That's the one. That's the one. And listen. And when I listened to it, I was writing on my own wall, like mm-hmm. Beyonce. Like, I'm going to be better than Beyonce. And I got in trouble because I wrote on my wall. But <laughs> the CD said, writing's on the wall. writing's on the wall. I wrote on my wall at the age of, I, I believe I was nine or ten, yes, when that album came out. So, yes. So, from four years old and creating my own uh, African piece, which I've never done any African, you know, lessons before, I'd never even seen it at the age of four, mm-hmm. I I just started moving, and that's how it all began with me uh, being a choreographer at the, well, let's just say I got my first official job at the age of 14, but in between four and 14, I was just you were doing, doing things thing. on my own and helping people. Mm-hmm. Right. So I love that. So it's really, again, the mother, your mother being a a pivotal figure within your life that helped you really, um, you know, bring out that talent, right? Bring out that talent and also giving you the platform to exude that confidence. And that's really important. So that really laid the foundation for you, for your career and who you are today. And I love sharing 
or listening to folks share their stories, right? Well, people don't know when we're here on, on her story, this isn't any type of prompt interview. We are really sharing folks' story and it's always right. some type of commonality, right? When you mentioned that, um, Shakira, I began spiritual dancing at a very young age. Like maybe, maybe it was a little older than you, maybe like six or seven years old. And I would be dancing with it. There was a little girls group and the big girls group. And me and my cousin, uh, oh. Brittany, both of us, we would dance with the big girls group. And we would travel to different areas throughout Louisiana and dance in different churches and dance and sing and all of those wow. things. And although choreography and dancing is in my career but that helped me find my voice in terms of breaking away that shyness you know it's important that kids start off very young and that they don't have a shy bone in their body that they're able to use their voice they're able to showcase their talents because it really does lay the foundation and um you know it connects to who you are and even your personality as you get older me not being um shy Mm -hmm. and being brave then opened the doors for me to what to run for office when I'm on campus in college it opened the doors for what Mm -hmm. for me to be a policy advocate today and speak and use my voice so it's awesome how all of those things connect and when we're talking about advocacy when we talk about policy that's also uh something that you are very passionate about as well now unfortunately it was a a life-changing event that shaped your advocacy for a rare disease known as sepsis and um, in short, you know, I, I did my own research. It's a, a bacteria infection in the bloodstream, but this was something that directly impacted you. And I'm sure it had to be difficult learning of this new disease, um, learning, trying to navigate, you know, through your career and life and every day and the changes that it brought. Can you please just share, you know, when you were first diagnosed and how did this really change your life and why is it so important to you today to raise awareness on this issue? So back in February 2017, um, I can remember my mom and I traveling back from Atlanta as I'm preparing for my wedding in October. So I have from February to October, we're looking for my dress, you know, getting the tuxedos and stuff together. And I felt like uh, I was coming down with something. I wasn't sure if it was just a cold or the flu. And it seemed like the closer we got to South Carolina, the worse I was feeling. And my mom said, you know, you may just need to, you know, call out from work and just tell them that you're not feeling well. And, you know, my mom always believed in when you're not feeling well, you don't take your germs around other people because you don't know what other people are suffering with as far as underlying, you know, diseases and stuff. So I decided to um, stay from work, um, which it was the day after President's Day in February. So, girl, I have a good memory of this because I was not expecting it at all. Mm -hmm. And... When I couldn't take it anymore as far as the body aches and stuff, I had gone to an urgent care and found out that I was type A for the flu. Now, mind you, I was working at DHEC, and I was an advocate for a flu. So it's like I'm telling people to get tested. Yes, I'm telling people to get tested and to get the vaccines. And here here I am who had already gotten the vaccine. Um, that I was type A for the flu. And so I, I stuff 
suffered with it for about um, a week and a half, took the Tamiflu, felt better. And then all of a sudden, it just felt like it reversed, like it was coming back. I had high fever. And then I went back again, and they were like, well, you have type B. And I said, and I went to my boss, and I said, I didn't know I could get type A and type B all in the same season. I just, right. I never even heard of such things. So I was like, God, what are you trying to tell me? So at that point, you know, I'm thinking I just have the flu. You know, type B can't be as bad as type A. I'm just going to rest, do Tamiflu all over again and take it easy. And I just felt like, you know, maybe I was just doing a lot of running and for the wedding and I just needed to sit down. I just needed to rest. And that day when I, you know, I was at home resting, I was by myself, and I felt like I could not breathe. And you know how people can play and say, oh, I feel like I'm having a heart attack or, well, not so much play, but, you know, we use that term quite lightly and don't even know how it feels to have a heart attack. Right. So Mm -hmm. in my case, I felt like I was going to die. Never had the feeling before. Wow. But I was in that in that mindset of I am going to die. And I called my mom, I called my dad on the phone and I said, Mom, I said, Daddy, I I don't feel good. Like my my fiance wasn't home at the time. Um, I can even remember the time. It was it was one PM. I I remember the time because I already knew that by three o'clock I probably was no longer gonna be here on this earth. And I was trying not oh to get emotional, God. but it just every time I relive it, it's like, oh gosh, um, I'm sorry, but I'm I got it together. Um, I I rem- I can remember calling them, and they felt helpless, and then this pain came in like my joints. I don't know what in the world it was. I felt like I couldn't move, I couldn't breathe. And I had gotten my best friend on the phone, and I said, look, I really think I need to go to the hospital. And she, and she said that she could hear in my voice that this wasn't one of those times where, you know, they already knew I had the flu. But in this case, she was like, okay, Shakira, you, you sound awful. I'm coming. Now, mind you, my best friend, she's pregnant. She's taking a chance, you know, with her being pregnant and with me already having the flu. So when she got over... Um, I had called my fiance and I said, I think I'm going to die. And he, he thought I was playing because remember I had type A and type B. So they, they're just thinking, I just felt like I was ran over by an 18 wheeler. That's how bad they thought the flu had taken over me when this whole entire time, I didn't know I was fighting something called sepsis. And I didn't find out until we had gotten to, um, the emergency room. And when she had got me to the emergency room, she couldn't get me out of the car because, you know, she was pregnant. So it was hard for her to lift me. She, what we are wearing today, she was wearing a mask. And um, when I got into the hospital, I can just remember the nurses saying she's already turning purple. So, yeah, it was that serious. And I couldn't even wait in the waiting room because... um, the way we're going about the coronavirus today, that's how they were treating me, as if I was COVID-19. It was like 
no one wanted to be next to me in the waiting room because these nurses and doctors had already had an idea of what I was suffering with because they had already looked at my charts with me having the flu. I get in the I get in the back and they have a room that's isolated. It's like everyone had to come in with masks, gloves, and I'm like, why are they treating me like I'm some type of germ? And that's when this African-American nurse came into me and she started praying in my ears. And I literally, the tears was coming down my eyes. And she says, you're septic, baby, you're septic. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What What is that? And she said, you have something called sepsis. Um, your blood cultures came back and you're septic and you're going into septic shock. And she said, I just need you to pray. And, I, and she held my hand and we prayed together and she didn't, she was the only one that didn't treat me like a germ, but no one could come in the back with me. They did allow my fiance, however, when he got there to come in the back with me and then they had to call my parents and they told them that they didn't think that I was going to make it. Girl, oh, it, oh God, it just, for someone to be laying in a hospital bed, first of all, the emergency room. And for you to hear the doctors and the nurses ask to speak to someone else and them tell them that they don't think you're going to meet, wait, so you're just going to give up on me? You know, right. you're not going to even tell me what is this thing? What can we do? Um, I just know the, the lady came back, the nurse that was very nice to me. I, w I wish I had gotten her name and could see her today, but... Um, she said that you have to be admitted. Um, they thought immediately that they were going to put me in ICU, but I really was still lost to the fact, what in the world is going on? It's just the flu. But when she said, I'm going septic, then, you know, I took my phone and I started Googling because, you know, everyone relies on Google. Today. Right, yeah, I, I Googled. I started Googling. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I started Googling and I looked up the word sepsis and when I saw severe sepsis, septic shock, I see you uh, blood poisoning in your stream and it's going to your organs to shut your organs down and it can come from any type of infection that's already going on within the body. So that was the flu. So I said, oh my gosh, I, I got this thing from the flu had no idea of how, what, when, where it all started, which I'm thinking when I, you know, was positive for the type B, I think that's when it all turned into sepsis versus it really being type B. Right. But I was in the hospital for about a week and a half, and I promise you, while I was in the hospital, I was researching because I just wanted, in case I didn't, live to see the next day or the next week, I went straight to Facebook and I started bringing awareness. And people were just responding, oh my gosh. They, I mean, I had so much response and comments under uh, the post I had uh, written. And no one, and when I say no one has ever heard of sepsis until I brought the awareness. Well, let me just say, my friends on Facebook have never heard of it, and and I can say this: that the hospitals and doctors and nurses they don't mention it because when people say it's the flu killing people, no, 
It's not the flu. It's sepsis. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I I had to research it myself, you know? Right. So it's like, why aren't you guys educating us on, you you know, they'll, they'll use this fancy terminology to say, oh, well, she had complications of the flu. You know, she didn't make it. No, 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 no. Tell me what were the complications. Right. However, sepsis, People need to know. They need to know the symptoms at at, at hand. Um, mine was when I felt like I couldn't breathe and I felt those pain um, in my joints and stuff. That's when I already knew. And my heart rate was, oh, it was about one ninety two. Um, and it and it wouldn't come down. So you have a a, a high heart rate. It's hard for you to breathe. You're in pain. My fever was about 104. My sugar levels, and I don't even, I'm not even diabetic. My sugar levels was like 239. It was high. So it's like your body is just trying to take in all of what's going on. Because it's all of that. You have a, you've already got the flu, but you have a whole nother infection that's trying to shut down your body. But thank God I am here today. Well, I can say three years later. Right, and share Thank your you story. Lord. And yes, so and I, you know, I like, am always. You sharing that right now is so important just because what's going on within the world right now with COVID 19, all of these symptoms and everything are so familiar. There are so many different conditions so out there, there are so many different diseases out there that. We we are uneducated about that we're unaware of that we seriously really don't know. Like I remember in December I had a hundred and four fever. I had um chills. I had body ache, and I test negative for the flu. Who knows what that was? You know the when I went to the doctor they said right. it was some type of virus. It wasn't the flu. It just has to run its course, and they gave me a steroid shot, and that was that. But I was like out of, out of commission. For 10 days, I've had the flu before. I've had, you know, like different viruses or stomach bugs or whatever you want to call it before. I had never felt like that before. So it's like, it's so important. You probably had a touch, right. You probably had a touch from it and didn't even know. Right. (laughs) Yes. To be honest, you you probably didn't even know, but it's just good to know now um, that any... Anything as far as pneumonia. Pneumonia can turn into sepsis. Mm-hmm. Flu can turn into sepsis. It's so like a, um, a urinary tract infection, that can turn into sepsis. Wow. Any type of infection that you have, a cold, can turn into sepsis. So a lot of people may think that they're just sick with the flu or they have pneumonia. Nine times out of ten, they and then there's different levels to sepsis. You have mild, you have severe, and then you have septic shock. I stayed in severe sepsis um, the whole time I was in the hospital, but they were looking for me to go into a septic shock because they look at numbers. They look at you know your heart levels and um, fever and you know your oxygen levels and all that. So luckily, I mean, I'm still to this day. I I didn't want it to be any of that 
but I thank God that I'm now prepared for this pandemic that we're in. Yes. You know, I actually look at COVID as sepsis. Right. I mean, to be honest, I right. really do. Yeah, it's, it's so similar. Treated. It's so similar. It's, it's, a, it's so similar. Um, the, the only thing is with sepsis, it's not contagious, but however, that infection that you're walking around with, such as a cold or a flu or whatever, you know, you can pass that on to the next person and then you can go into a septic shock or have sepsis. So after me having sepsis, um, it woke me up, honestly. Um, you know, with me, with my five-year-old son, um, who's at 19 weeks pregnant, after, well, they call it life after sepsis, I have to be very careful because of the medications I'm on. You know, my immune system is weaker, and I'm more likely prone to getting sepsis again um thankfully i didn't get it uh 2019 and this year and i didn't get the flu but i did end up getting sepsis the following year after 2017 but it was mild sepsis so oh, wow. girl i just i have been through yes i i have been through so i'm not gonna say i'm not scared of covid but i can honestly say I am taking all safety precautions as far as my health and yes. my son and my Which husband. You should. Which um, you should. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't see why people aren't wearing masks. Yes, I mean, exactly. Hey, Especially those who have norm, had you know? <laughs> underlying health conditions. You know, when you have a weakened immune system and underlying right. health conditions, you should take all full precautions. And even if you don't take all full precautions, because as you and I both know, if that hadn't happened the way that it did and you went to the doctor, who knows that you would have been here to even share your story and raise awareness about this Absolutely. about this disease, you know? And, you know, just me sharing my story about going to the doctor in December. I'm still not sure what that was or what it could be. So you, you really was. you have to be precautious and, and be very mindful, not only of yourself, but like you said, of those around you because you don't know what you can cross-contaminate and pass on to other people. Um, and even with that, you know, it's often that when things directly impact us, of course, we 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 have a love for it, we form a passion for it, and we raise awareness around the issue or the condition or whatever it may be. And so you being an advocate and being a voice and raising awareness to what sepsis is, is so important and I really appreciate you for doing that and when I think about advocacy um but when I think about advocacy and I think about education and just like educating you know folks within our own community you know before we educate anyone else I'm always like we we, I'm pro-black. We got to tell everybody black. Educate everybody black, you know? And, you know, my love for right. that and, and, you know, uh, of course, making the emphasis and importance of that is because things begin in the household. Things begin within the community. And so going to an HBCU, it shaped who I was as a young woman in terms of putting family first, right? And being a family, being on right. the royal court, you form where it was just like, you know, Everyone is a family. Everyone, we look out for each other. We support each other. There is legacy within our titles and all of those things. And so when I think about, you know, what I do for a living now, um, you know, I'm a program manager for a nonprofit. Uh, I direct different campaigns 
and you know in terms of policy and things like that but that began at Southern University. That began through organizing on the state capitol steps. That began with running for Miss Freshman and being in SGA and running for Miss SU and being a, a member, you know, of uh, the a Beta Psi Initiates Fall 2009 of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. Okay, Soror, I want to drop that because we are Sorors, okay? Um, but, you know, all of those things... It shapes who you are, but again, it's based on like your experiences and things that directly impact you. So with me saying that is it wasn't until um, I had received my master's and I was working in, in, poli- well, in politics, I was a legislative assistant, and it was seeing people who look like me, look like my family members and things like that coming into the office that had raised um, concerns around issues that deeply impacted their community for years, for years after years. And it was, you know, either it wasn't addressed or they were getting roundabout answers or concerns. And so that's really when I was like, okay, I'm going to use my position and the task and things that I have at at hand to really advocate change on a a one-on-one level. You know, I, I feel like Alpha Kappa Alpha, it taught you to have a love for community service, but we're also taught to look at, you know, like the overall approach in terms of programming and measuring our work. But it wasn't until that one-on-one experience where it really, um, really highlighted my passion and love for um, providing services to those that are very close to me within my community. So with that being said, I, I just wanted to ask you, like, how is your love for community service and your love within working um, with your sorority, how has that shaped your advocacy efforts and, you know, your engagement with, with the community and other things? Because, again, you know, sepsis was, is a disease that impacts you, but I know you're also connected to, to other uh, passions and issues as well. So how has that really shaped your love for community service? So let's just say, um, shout out to my family. Um, they actually are community oriented, shall I say. I have such a big family. So I've always grew up um, going to different community events. Uh, my mom, with her being a uh, attendance clerk, I'm sorry, at the, the local middle school in St. Stephen, um, there were always events that she got me evol- involved in. Um, so again, shout out to my mom because she played a major role in my life, um, as far as with the community service as well. And I can remember just going to the different community events and performing, but I actually wanted to see what it was like actually being behind the table, you know, actually being the one to serve the community versus serving them with always, um, entertainment, shall I say, um, so with me uh, pledging follow seven Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated New Gamma Chapter, yes, the notable New Gamma Chapter, um, you know, community service. I mean, that's one major thing right there when you are a part of the Divine Nine is, you know, uh, giving back to the community. And that was one thing we did in Sumter, South Carolina uh, with the chapter is, you know, you would see people pick up trash, but... When you can go out as a, as sisters and pick up trash together or go to the South Hope Center and help kids with their homework, and it just makes you feel good about yourself and just feeling like, you know, 
you can be that voice for the younger generation. And, you know, with doing community service um, and becoming a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha, it actually boosted me to go back into my community, look for a local chapter there, and which they were already doing things there, but I was kind of like the person that wanted to do something different um, as far as the young people. So I um, combined with the Tri-City Outreach um, with Toys for Tots because the community that I'm from, you know, not everyone are uh, fortunate, shall I say, or um, we're all in the middle class. However, there's a lot of broken families and stuff. So my heart went out to um, young girls in particular that didn't get that doll baby that they wanted for Christmas or didn't get that vanity set. Because, you know, as AKAs, honey, we are prissy, honey. We yes, need our yes. mirrors. Give honey. me my mirror, <laughs> We need our mirrors. So <laughs> my, heart went, my heart absolutely went out. I just thought about me as a little girl. You know, I was, for, I was fortunate enough to, you know, wake up to toys Christmas morning, but when I would go to school and find out that some of my friends didn't get things for Christmas and stuff, I just kind of traveled back in time, and I just thought about things like that, and, you know, now that they had kids that were, um, that they had on their own, I said, you know what, to some of these friends, you know, I can give back to some of their families, so to this day, they don't even know that I was the one that adopted their family because I wanted to stay anonymous because, you know, when sometimes when you're in the spotlight, you know, people will think, oh, she's just doing it for, for the fame shine. or she's yeah. just doing it for this. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So, yes, not a lot of people know that I actually gave the local um, Tri-City Outreach their name. There are even elderly people um, that I know that probably been having trouble with their light bills and stuff. And, you know, I would kind of throw in their names to my mom, and my mom would tell my uncle, you know, who was the president over the group, and they would pay their light bill. So I'm just all about really blessing other people. Yes, and and that's and that's really what it is about. Like, you know, it's one thing to make sure that you have all the necessary resources and that you're taken care of, but to give back, to give back, it you know you're planting seeds you're planting seeds and those things when you're able to provide to someone else then you never know how that person can reach and provide to someone else so you're ultimately you're building within the process um and so right. when you think of terms of you know building and uh, providing resources and, and educating and all of those things mentoring is also a, a passion of yours Um, I love mentoring young women and young men. Uh, previously, I, you know, I used to volunteer with the Big Buddy program when I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and that's where I took on the mentorship with high school students. And if they were passionate about a specific career path, then making sure they're well educated about, around it, uh, whatever, um, whatever area they may be interested in, connecting them to people who are in that field then so that they can shadow and see this is something really of interest or if they're just doing it because, oh, this is a cool name or because my mom or my dad told me to do it. You know, like creating those opportunities for them when they're younger. So 
when you know better, you know, you do better and you teach, uh, diff- you know, other people things that you may not have known at that age. So you're very passionate about mentoring young women. Are you connected to a specific program or organization or this is just something that you do in your, your uh, you know, your individual time? No, it's actually um, something that I do in my individual time, but it's actually girls that, you know, that attend my dance studio. A lot of them are a lot of the girls that I mentor. Yes. So love it. So you're connecting the dots right there, you know, um, in terms of giving them uh, uh, something that they can definitely grow and learn and be passionate about in terms of dance and the arts and choreography and mentoring the young ladies along the way. So that's really what it's Mm -hmm. all about. You know, we take those experiences from going to HBCUs. We take those experiences from being on, um, you know, the Royal Court and a part of different organizations, you know, Greek life, um, forming these different networks and connections, but also knowing that it means nothing if we cannot share those uh, good deeds and share the things that we have learned along with other people and especially uh, along with the youth, you know, you, you plant your seeds within the within the youth and you teach them to grow and to to help them formulate some type of foundation as we were taught. So what would you say, um, what advice would you give to a young lady who may be interested in attending an HBCU or who wants to be a campus queen or interested in even, you know, uh, being a part of, you know, being a future AKA or a part of our sorority, what would you, advice would you give those young women who are interested in attending an HBCU? So I would say this um, to the young women that are thinking about attending the HBCU. You know, no matter what HBCU you go to, that's the best choice <laughs> that I feel that you're making. Um, as far as um, being a queen or pledging, you know, you have to go to your, what shall I say, you have to go in the yard, because you know, when you attend the HBCU, it's not campus. Right, it's you go on in the, the yard. yard. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go on the yard um, with a voice. Um, you can't, uh, let's just say, you can't go in um, second-guessing yourself. Right. If you want to be a part of the SGA, be a part. Like, no one is stopping you but yourself. So I say this to say, go in there, get your work, but at the same time, um, if you want to think of different platforms that you can get going at that particular HBCU, go in fearless. Go in fearless. Um, If you don't have confidence in yourself, honey, drop, drop that feeling and just go ahead and say, I'm already a queen. Like, it doesn't take a title to be a queen as far as you're a campus queen. You know, you're already a queen. So right now you just you just got to grab your bags, do what you got to do, and, you know, just go in, like I said, fearless. Go in fearless, and if you want to be the president of your campus or whatever, just get involved. Um, find the nearest uh, boys and girls club or... Anything that can involve you on campus as far as your pre-alumni council, you know, just, 
I just say involvement is key for me. For me, you can't be a college queen if you're one that's always in the dorm room or um, at Morris, we would always say, you're always at the basketball court. Right. (laughs) And not, you know, doing, and not doing anything. So just, I mean, just really just go in there fearless and do what you got to do and you'll be on top every time. And it's your time to step out, you know, to step out. You can use the opportunity to even reinvent yourself in things that you may were shy or afraid to do when you were in high school. Try doing it in college, you know, try to just network and open those doors. Because me running for Miss Freshman was not something that I ultimately had wanted to do at first. It was um, one of my homegirls who now we are sorors, but... We went to high school together. We were on dance team together in high school. And in high school, you know, I was a freshman. She was a senior. So it was the same in college. And she was like, Janae, she's like, you should run for Miss Freshman. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's my personality, you know, because I went through different (laughs) phases where I was talkative. I was outspoken. And then I went through a phase where I was in a box somewhat, right? Um, and you know, that's a a total different story, you know, that I I go into when I talk about my, my experiences, sometimes, you know, going to a predominantly white school and things like that and feeling as though I had to like neuter my voice and things or, um, change who I was to kind of, you know, to kind of like just, just fit in. And so those were still feelings and things that I carried with me along with me my freshman year and she was like no she's like no you need to run because I would definitely feel different indifferent if if I look to um you know if I would look to my right and I saw someone else sitting in the position for Miss Freshman not knowing that you didn't give it a shot and I was like you know what I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it I'm gonna go out there and like you said HBCUs we love a platform honey I think mine was to um it was like retain, recruit, and it, it was three R's. It was something. I had a whole platform, <laughs> everything. But it was one of the best experiences that I will never take back because it laid the foundation for who I am today, you know? So very grateful wow. for that. And again, like you said, it doesn't matter what HBCU you choose. Go to an HBCU. Live that experience. Become a part of SGA. Mm -hmm. Become a member of that sorority. And, you know, just take chances. Take chances even if they don't work out. My my junior year, I ran for Miss Southern. I did not, um, you know, I didn't win Miss Southern. I I had lost, I think it was like 15 or 18 votes, girl. Something crazy. Um, Wow. But that was, again, another experience that I learned because, that shaped me into something even um, bigger. It was, you know, sometimes those who may portray to be your friends or portray to have your back when it all boils down to it, they don't always, um, you know, have the best interests at your, you know, at your heart. But, um, you know, again, like you said, it's not about the title. It's about what you do and your actions. So all of those things can shape you. So um, thank you so much for sharing all of your story. You know, it... It's important that we highlight 
the differences within our stories because they always it always makes sense at the end about where we are today, how strong we are today, right. and the different things that we have done to bring light to certain issues, such as those things that have um, you know personally affected you in your life. So how can people stay connected to you? Do you have any social media or, or some way that people can uh, reach out to you? Yes, so on Facebook, I'm Kara Nunu Parks. I probably got to go and delete some people because I'm at 5,000. But Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what I'll do is when we're done with this interview, I'll go delete some of the people um, that probably don't even have Facebook anymore. But it's Kara, K-A-R-A, Nunu, N-U-N-U, Parks, P-A-R-K-S. That's my Facebook. And on Instagram, I'm Nunu underscore Parks. Okay, well, thank you so much you for can joining find me Kara. There. Yes. So, folks, in closing, you know, always remember that your story is not solely for you. It's meant to be shared with other women and provide hope to them facing similar hurdles. You don't have to be ashamed and you definitely don't have to be afraid to share. You are a victor, you are a winner, and you will not be defeated. You declare growth and prosperity over your life, and troubles don't last always. You are brilliant, bold, and beautiful. You are her. Heroic, empowering, and resilient. So if you are empowered in any way, please tell a friend to tell a friend and share her story podcast, which is available, a new episode, every Wednesday on SoundCloud Podcast and Google Play. And um, be sure to follow us on Instagram at herstory underscore podcast. And again, this is Jay Jameson, and we are out.